From a cool Houston, Texas, welcome to Hour 2 of Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. Cool as in chilly. Yeah, for, I mean... For Houston. You know... For Houston. I don't have my uh, weather gadget here set up for Houston yet, but... Uh, I mean, Sage just said it. They're in old Manhattan, Kansas. It's actually not terrible. It's not terrible. So we're going to play the game. Who's warmer, Manhattan or Houston? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Houston, Houston, even though. Uh, Houston leads the game by seven. Okay. It is 52-45 to 45 Houston in the lead. But as I told you earlier, my last trip down here at us here in August and here for a ball game in sweltering, humid, just ick. And so... Uh, this is definitely not the Houston I'm used to. Well, we were just talking to a gentleman who works here at the uh, the uh, the venue where we just had the pep rally about an hour and a half ago, and he was running the sound. He got it set up with the sound so we could air the uh, pep rally. A big help, and he was telling us that uh, it was back in 2015 when LSU was playing in the Texas Bowl, mm-hmm. and they beat Texas Tech, and they had a joint pep rally. And they were talking about how, because this, uh, this place, it, you know, it seats about, what do you think, about 500 people or so? I'd say probably along 500 to 750. And uh, all the seats, is a, it's over uh, overlapped with the canopy, you know, overhead. And then behind the seats, and we're kind of in the middle of everything, there's like a concourse here, and then behind us, big old grassy hill. Goes a ways. It's big. Think, think <clears throat> sandstone <clears throat> amphitheater. Okay. Just at a smaller scale and with the canopy. And so he was telling us that they had a joint pep rally to Tech and LSU, and it, it was colder than this, if you can believe that. In Houston, Texas, colder than 45, which, by the way, like yesterday only got up to maybe 40. Yeah, it, it, was, it was awfully brisk. And it, it was also raining that day for uh, Tech and uh, LSU when they had their pep rally. So there was maybe 500 people that stayed dry and... Actually, he was telling us there was hardly anybody there. So, uh, But the 2015 Texas Bowl champion LSU and the 2016 Texas Bowl champion K-State will meet up in the 2022 edition. <sighs> I don't know even what to say about LSU. They are uh, a little bit of a mess right now. Uh, some of that may, yes, have to do with COVID-19. Um, especially with the variant going around. And even that is kind of in question of K-State. Maybe there's some names that we don't even know yet won't be playing until, you know, it's hour 15 until kickoff, and uh, all the media is looking around to see who's on the field, and there's guys missing. It's hard to tell right now. They looked like a pretty dang good crowd of the K-State team that mm-hmm. was on the stage earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was certainly a lot more than 59 scholarship. That's what LSU has right now. That was reported by Stuart Mandel earlier today. 39. What did I say, 59? 59. 39, yeah, 39. yes, 39 for LSU. Uh, I mean, K-State, it's, it's, maybe double that on yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's a little more dire than 59 even. It's yeah. 39. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very low number. And uh, so LSU is 6-6, six and 3-5 six, and five in SEC play, but the team that earned all those numbers, <laughs> this is a completely different team. It was a week ago, Chris Blair, the play-by-play voice of LSU, he told us that, yeah, this is already a completely different team. That's when they still had Ty Davis-Price at running back, who has over 1,000 yards. But by, at that point, we still didn't know the quarterback situation. Um, by that point, though, Damon Clark, who is a top-10 player in this year's draft at linebacker for the NFL draft, that's according to Mel Kuyper, he has opted out. So 
it's really a, just a giant question mark of what can LSU throw out there. But I, I suppose, Troy, we can talk a little bit about the quarterback situation. Garrett Nussmeyer, who was projected to be the starter, it was, it's been weeks now mm-hmm. that LSU had made a request to the NCAA to be granted a waiver so he could play in this bowl game and not be credited with a fifth game. Now, LSU had been asked about that yesterday and in, uh, by the media. They're asked, hey, was this, uh, was this waiver granted? And they were told that LSU got back the, the answer from the NCAA but wasn't going to say. What's well, been very well reported on by now, that LSU did not get the waiver for, Grant, for uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, and it, there's a really good chance he does not play tomorrow, even though his name is at the top of the depth chart. This is an interesting spot to be in for LSU, not just with what the quarterbacking situation is tomorrow night, but how much of this, with the opt-outs, with guys that are not going to be here, how much of that is the things that are caught up in a coaching change? Brian Kelly is not Ed Orgeron. Talk about a different style of your head coach and i think some guys were hey i didn't sign on for this we talked about uh in the last segment about the change at oklahoma and and what that means at quarterback for them as caleb williams announces for the transfer portal and the added interesting part to this is that the current coaching staff the interim coach had worked under orgeron he could go in there and he could burn that red shirt. He could. I mean, he just easily could say, we're going to start you and that's it. He's not going to, which makes it real interesting to just kind of get a feel of what the dynamics are right now around that program with the coaching change. So let's put it this way. LSU in the spring had four scholarship quarterbacks, and now basically for this game they're down to none. Unreal. Now, now two of them haven't played at all this year. Uh, one of them is Miles Brennan, who he basically – you know, entered his name in the transfer portal, now he's coming back. But the quarterback that's been playing all year long is Max Johnson, and, you know, he actually had himself a pretty good year. 2,800 yards passing, 27 touchdowns. Um, he was top five in the SEC in passing yards, but he decides to enter the transfer portal. His brother plays at Texas A&M. That's where he's going. He's going to be an Aggie. So he stays in the SEC. Well, and, and the situation was that they both were going to be at LSU. His brother changed his mind in the recruitment after Brian Kelly was hired. And so that's where Max then elects to follow his brother as opposed to it being the other way around. So that's how Garrett Nussmeyer, who was the backup all year long, jumps into that starting spot. That's how his name does come up. But entering this bowl game, he's at four games. He has appeared in four games this year. His numbers, he's 29 of 57 for two touchdowns, two interceptions, and 329 yards. But since he's playing those four games, does he want to burn the red shirt or not? That's why they asked the NCAA. They're trying to get away with a quick one. And I like if, if this is all true, which LSU never really came out and said yes or no, but if, if, if the NCAA really did say no, good for the NCAA. I'm surprised I'm giving them any props because that would open a big old can of worms for the rest of college football who would want the same thing. Right, and you're talking about an area where there has to be some leadership on the part of the NCAA in a situation like this. As small as it may look in terms of other things that are going on in college football, this would have been another one of those uh, steps that would have uh, opened up a real can of worms for everybody to have to deal with. 
do you know if you knock it out where uh, a guy could keep his red shirt playing four games in the regular season and oh by the way gets to play in the exhibition game or bowl game as well uh you know it it's it, it would open up a lot of things for guys and it, it would be it would be untenable i don't know that anybody would be able to truly manage that well so quarterback they might lsu might try to go the cody cook type of route that case they had to do once upon a time when everybody at quarterback was banged up. So Cody Cook, yep. who had played quarterback, comes in at, uh, from the uh, wide receiver position, and he actually started for uh, case. I remember in that game against Oklahoma State, he didn't start, but he had to come into the game, and he looked really good. He looked really good. So he, the situation for LSU is they might go with a wide receiver, and he, really as a wide receiver he doesn't have – big numbers or anything but his name is john john trey kirkland and he could be used as a qb and uh but really the and then they have two walk-ons they have two walk-on quarterbacks and tavion falk and matt o'dowd all three of those gentlemen this year they have not ran the football they've not thrown a pass zilch when it comes to quarterback experience at the college football level Given the preparation time for this game, that is a help for LSU, though, because they've had opportunities to at least work and try and get their guys ready for this game. If this had been moved up some, say a December 31st game, December 30th game, it would be a little different even there trying to cram it all in, just as we talked about last hour with Wyatt Thompson uh, in regards to K-State. You have that little bit extra preparation time, so in LSU's case, they they utilize that to work on what their quarterback situation is. Well, in K State's case, they worked on how to defend the possibility. Well, they they they're just kind of it's kind of a wait and see for K State. I mean, K State when it comes to preparing for a quarterback, there really isn't one to prepare for. They're just they're just going to go out there and play defense. Oh, what the heck! Let's just throw the option into it. They're going to do whatever uh, they need. Uh, uh, well, you know. at, well, and at quarterback though, the thing is like prepping for a quarterback. These three guys that can potentially play for LSU, they're never going to play again. They're never going to play quarterback again for LSU. This is their one opportunity ever. This is their chance ever. Because next year, Miles Brennan is going to be the guy. Right. And he, he's really good. But he didn't play this year. So, And he did announce he's coming back to LSU, but he can't play because he was in the portal this season. So, And then defensively, they've also lost a lot of names. There are a couple of guys that have uh, opted out for the NFL draft. Damon Clark, I mentioned earlier, he's a linebacker. And then you have defensive tackle uh, Neil Farrell, who has been a great pass rusher this year, five and a half sacks. And then you also, uh, who I mentioned before, Damon Clark, he's the leading tackler this year for K, uh, for LSU with 136. That is a giant number of tackles uh, at that linebacker position. Plus, uh, LSU has had an issue with the injury bug uh, defensively. They've had four, five, three, four, five guys really all season long in and out uh, because of injuries, and these are starters. Injuries have, have been a problem for LSU on both sides of the football, really, throughout the course of this season. That's one of the reasons why they never were able to get uh, a, a very fluid uh, offense, especially going, but uh, really never got themselves going to the way that they expected to on either side of the ball. 
but a couple of their best run stoppers. And LSU was pretty decent this year, stopping the run. They were in the top 50 in the NCAA, I believe, at the last, maybe it was the game before the end of the regular season. Uh, they were at they were like 44-ish at stopping the run. That was about what they are best at. Uh, Deuce might have a good day. Uh, I Might, I think he will have a good day because LSU is just so light-handed. I want to know who had the cowboy hat with 22 on it for him. Oh, well, I think he said during the uh, the pep rally, his sister made it. Sister made it? Yeah. Oh, so, that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Deuce Vaughn putting the cowboy hat on. He had it on in the rodeo, and they, he said that was the first time he'd ever worn a cowboy hat, which I was like, really? This guy, you know, Texas kid? He's never worn a cowboy I don't know. Round Rock, Texas. Maybe they don't wear them so much around the Austin area. I right. Don't know. <laughs> but I will say for K-State, you know, like, it, it is brewing. It, I mean, if the game is played, which for now it is, you never know what happens hours before kickoff if more testing does take place and oh more boy. guys are out. I mean, really watch LSU here because they're really teetering that line of just not having anybody at all. Right now, 39 scholarship players. Who knows how many walk-ons they'll have suiting up for this one. They might have a <laughs> it's this it's this next platoon. Right. Uh, and it's all uh, walk-on type of guys, but who knows. Uh, it, it is shaping up. If the game is going to be played, it feels like it's just too comfortable to be a K-State fan right now, and you walk in NRG Stadium and take on this LSU team, you can't help but to be extremely confident with the K-State chances. You almost feel like it's right back at the start of the season, the type of an opponent you would face in the first couple of weeks, as opposed to someone you'd be facing January 4th in a bowl game. Yeah, the the dudes that are responsible for big numbers this year, all of them are not playing in this game for the LSU Tigers. One guy who is going to be playing for the Cats, that is Skylar Thompson. He will play. He is 100%. And we're going to hear from K-State quarterback number seven, Skylar Thompson, next on Wildcat Insider. One more time, Skylar Thompson will be at quarterback for K-State. And that is tomorrow night in the Texas Bowl. Back on Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Also, a big thank you to Sage Williams stepping into the studio an hour early to make sure we bring the pep rally and sticking around for two hours of Wildcat Insider. A big thank you to Sage back in Manhattan. I do apologize for the old voice. Still battling with that cold. But you know what? Skylar Thompson's battled with much worse, and he's come back every time, including for this final time against the LSU Tigers here in the Texas Bowl. Last time we saw Skyler on the field was November 20th, and that was with a couple of minutes ago, fourth quarter, and a 10-point loss to Baylor. Did not play in that Texas game a week later, and uh, since then the question has been raised. Will Skyler be back? Felt pretty confident a couple of weeks after that Baylor game he would be ready to go for the bowl game, but it was confirmed yesterday that Skyler will play. Now, I will mention that, you know what, what is Skyler missing? He's missing a really great bowl performance mm. because he's played in two previous bowls. Well, the first one, well, you got to go back to the uh, 2017 Cactus Bowl. Very young, Skylar Thompson, freshman. You might remember he was splitting time with another quarterback. That's Alex Delton. Skylar started that game. It, w- it was a rough game because Skylar Thompson, he finished with just four rushing yards on five attempts and passing the football 3 of 7 for 27 yards. Alex Delton takes over for the rest of the game, comes in the second quarter, and it's a completely different game. K-State wins that game 35-17 over UCLA in Phoenix. 
And then the second bowl game that Skyler played in the 2019 Liberty Bowl. That was a game the K-State offense was able to score just 10 points. The touchdown coming in the fourth quarter, which Skyler did score. He actually, you know, okay numbers, 10 of 14 passing for a buck 24. He was sacked three times. But running the football, Skyler, just three yards. That was a tough, tough Navy defense, mm-hmm. if you remember that game. Navy mm-hmm. won the game 20-17 to 17 on a very late field goal with two seconds left, that field goal of 23 yards. The other touchdown for K-State was scored on a on a uh, Phillip Brooks 66-yard putt return. So, Skyler, it would be great if he could end his career on a memorable bowl performance. But he is going to play, and the media yesterday had an opportunity to once again speak. And here it is with the quarterback of the Cats, Skyler Thompson. Um, probably uh, going into probably the most meaningful game of my career. No, not probably it is. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a been a good year. Uh, it's been a successful year for us. Um, and you know, just my entire career here coming to an end uh, in a very very good uh, atmosphere, very good game versus a very good opponent. Um, I'm very excited, very excited for the opportunity. I feel the healthiest I've felt in a very long time, uh, having some time off here. Um, and, you know, I just feel mentally in a good spot. Um, just knowing, you know, uh, I've given it everything. I've every ounce of myself to this program and this university. And, you know, I'm just trying to, uh, to focus on the little things and enjoy the little moments in this process. Because um, I know know it's coming to an end, but I'm saying that you know I came down here to win. We came down here to win, and that that's our main focus. And you know all the the, the extra stuff, all the the rest of it will will take care of itself um, once the the game is over. That time comes. I assume you never thought about skipping the game. No, absolutely not. Uh, that never never crossed my mind in a million years. Never would have. So, how's the body feeling? It feels the best it's felt. Um, We've had whole month off. Um, I've had a little bit more because I didn't play the last game. So it's given me a lot of time to, to just refresh and get my body healthy. Um, and, you know, also just mentally. You know, I think that mentally having time off, being able to mentally take a step back and relax a little bit, I think that helped my, my recovery process more, you know, just because uh, I was in, mentally in a good spot, able to get around family for Christmas and just kind of get away from the game. So I just, I feel healthy, both phys- both physically and mentally, and super excited to go play on Tuesday. How did you grade the team's preparation overall for the Bulldogs? A plus, uh, guys are locked in. This is most energy and, um, you know, just uh, focused prep that I've been a part of in a bowl game. And guys are having fun, guys are enjoying the process. And I think we've really understood this year that the, how important the preparation is, you know, and you win games, you win games back in December 14th in bowl prep during finals week, you know, like those, we understood like those, those days were very important and, and each day you just got to stack and continue to get, to get better, improve, put weeks and weeks together for this prep because it's been a long one um, and just, it kind of gets doing a lot of the same stuff. I mean, the, the prep, prepping for one team for five weeks compared to normally in a week during the season, you know, so things can get kind of redundant, repetitive, and can kind of cause you to kind of take your foot off the gas there, you know, and there's times where 
you know, we just got to, we had to focus on keeping our, our foot on the gas and to focus on the little details of things throughout the process in this practice. How much does the team's leadership need to step in in situations like that? Well, we have great leadership on this team, and, and I think the, <clears throat> the guys like myself, Jay Mack, Timmy Horn, Reggie Stubblefield, Russ Yeast, um, you know, all those guys that have, have been in this uh, game for a long time and have played a lot of college football. You know, Timmy Horn's never played in a bowl game, I don't think. I don't think Reggie Stubblefield has either. Uh, you know, so it's big for them. You know, this is, this is a big game for those guys getting the opportunity. So um, we weren't going to let, let anything slip away, slip out of our hands uh, that we could control. What has Colin Klein been like as an offensive coordinator? He's been amazing. Um, obviously for me, uh, I feel like just hit the ground running with me just because I spent so much time with him for, for five years. And I've always felt like I've him and I are just always on the same page. Uh, I, I, I know what he's thinking before he's thinking it, and he knows what I'm thinking before I think it. And that just goes with how much time we spent together. And I'm very excited to go play for him. He, he's a guy that is easy to, to follow. Um, and our whole team is fed off of his energy. He's not a big hoorah guy. You know, he's very, very quiet and steady. But the way he approaches his coaching, the way he approaches meetings and everything he does, it, it, it's, a, it's a natural leader that our whole offense wants to follow. We're excited to go play for him. Skyler, as a follow-up to that, I mean, I know it's part of the business, part of the game, but how tough was it for you when you found out, like, mess up and let go? I'll tell you what, I was hurt. Um, I was very hurt. You never, you know, in my position, I have a great relationship with those guys. I have to, especially with Coach Messingham calling the plays. Um, Coach Messingham has been nothing but great to me my entire time here. He supported me. He's had my back uh, when a lot of people didn't. And I'll always have love for him and appreciate everything he's done for me and, and wish him nothing but the best. You know, and I understand, understand it's part of the coaching business, part of the coaching world. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I wish him the best. And he'll always have a special place in my heart, that's for sure. Is this whole bowl preparation process giving you some time to reflect on your time at K-State? And if so, just what's one or two things that you'll, you'll take from your ride here for the rest of your life? Yeah, well, <clears throat> it has it's given me a lot of time to reflect. And, and in all honesty, there's been times where I've kind of started thinking about it and say, oh, I'm not thinking about that yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not putting th put myself through it yet. But as we've gotten closer, it's kind of hitting me more and more. Um, but just reflecting on my time here, uh, there's so many learning experiences and things that I've, I've faced and um, that adversity and all that type of stuff that I could reflect on and that taught me something. But ultimately, the main thing that I've taken away from my experience here is it's prepared me for life. And I know um, whenever my time is done playing football that I'm prepared to be successful in life by what this game has, has taught me and what this university has taught me and this program has taught me. And, and ultimately, when I was an 18-year-old signing my letter of intent to come here, that's what, that's what I wanted to get out of it. I wanted to have a, a great football experience. I wanted to meet great people. And I want to be prepared for life after football. And this university did all of that for me. Most likely the, the penultimate time that Skylar Thompson will meet with the media as a member of the K-State Wildcats. Uh, practice uniform or in-game uniform. Now... Where that interview was coming from, it, it sounds like it was coming from maybe like a, uh, a country bar with uh, a bunch of dudes in the background punching, like, you know, that, that 
that punching bag, mechanical punching bag you'll see in bars sometimes. Uh, no, that was at the University of Houston in the Houston Cougars uh, practice indoor practice facility. Pretty nice. <laughs> it was pretty nice, but it's not going to be quite as nice as what K-State is uh, currently in the process of building there on the east side of the bill. A little bit crisp yesterday, so they moved it indoors because yeah. of not only... Windy. Well, not only because of the conditions, but you also had the event with the youngsters that yeah. was taking place after practice. Yeah, some local um, local Houston kids mm-hmm. got to... Uh, got to uh, interact with K-State football players and also uh, take part in some football-related practice drills, which was uh, pretty fun to watch. Also, you know, another reason why it was indoors is because the game is also indoors. You know, it's in that old NRG stadium. And uh, kickoff is around 8.15 tomorrow night from uh, NRG Stadium. K-State and LSU, Skylar Thompson for the final time in uniform as a wildcat we'll take another time out on wildcat insider and when we come back guys did you uh see the news yesterday that uh, coach Kleiman and the cats picked up a portal cat the third for this upcoming class more details on the new cat next on wildcat insider Wildcat Insider continuing on K-Man. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Sage is back in the K-Man studio in Manhattan. But Troy and I coming to you live from Houston as the sun is sitting here in the Lone Star State. I would imagine, you know, Manhattan probably getting the same kind of sun. I'll, I'll take a Flint Hill sunset. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's not as uh, not quite as colorful right now. No. There's, no, there's no clouds in the sky either. It's, it's no. uh, blue skies all around with a shade of red. Uh, did you know on Mars, you know, Mars has red skies, and when the sun's going down, it turns blue. It's the opposite of what we have on Earth. Interesting. You didn't know that? I did not well, know there that. There you go. We T-I-L, are in Houston. Baby. I might as well teach you a little something about space. T-I-L. Uh, I do you want to give everybody an update on the schedule of what's coming up? So coming up after Wildcat Insider here on K-Man Chiefs Kingdom, Mitch Holtis, I'm sure he's a little salty about the Chiefs <laughs> losing to uh, Cincinnati yesterday. <laughs> And the refs. Um, boy, mm. talk about oh, LS. I mean, Joe Burrow. I mean, there you wow. go. Wow. Mm. Um, remember, Chase. Remember your comment about uh, about how a quarterback can change the face of your team last hour when we were talking with Wyatt. There's a great example of it. Right. So if you want to hear the Jeff Mitty show, which you know it's going to be a good one with Brian Smaller, that'll be our sister station, Sunny 102.5. That also starts at 6 o'clock. Also, you might also know that there's a couple of other events other than the bowl game tomorrow including K-State men's basketball. They're hosting Texas in Bramlage. Dollar tickets, dollars, I think also dollar slight concessions. Mm-hmm. And the game tips off at 6 with pregame at 5. That can be heard on our sister station, Sunny 102.5. 101.5 K-Rock and News Radio K-Man will have coverage of the Texas Bowl, which starts at 4 o'clock with Powercat Game Day. Network takes over at 6, and kickoff is a little after 8. Also, uh, Manhattan High girls and boys basketball, Brandon Peoples, We'll have the broadcast. It'll be online only at NewsRadioKman.com. It is Manhattan hosting Emporia, and uh, the news director will be taking care of that call. Thank you, Brandon, for stepping in and covering so that we could go to the party in Houston. He was uh, more than happy to take in a few extra dollar bills to call some Manhattan High basketball, helping everybody out. All right, let's get back to K-State football because yesterday the Cats land another portal cat. And his name is Brandon Jennings. This one I'm pretty excited about. He comes a, becomes a third 
portal cat to join the team. The other two, Josh Hayes, who was a defensive back coming in from Virginia, originally his three-star recruit. And um, he is, if you might remember when we talked about him, uh, he was the guy that once played for Coach Kleiman mm-hmm. at North Dakota State. So there's that relationship. And then the other, of course, is the, is the quarterback from Nebraska, Adrian Martinez, whose relationship is the girlfriend who plays for the K-State <laughs> soccer team. But he's also a pretty darn good quarterback, if I may say so myself. If you keep him upright. Yeah, uh, you know, historically bad offensive line that was protecting him at Nebraska. Oof. I think the K-State line will be a little bit better in Manhattan. Who would have thought we'd ever say those words? But let me tell you a little bit about this Maryland linebacker in, uh, in, in Brandon Jennings. So, you know, true freshman this year. He's a kid out of Florida. His dad, as a matter of fact, uh, was on a pretty good team. He played, he, by the way, uh, they're Brandon's out of Jacksonville. That's where he's from. 6'3", 235, good size linebacker. His dad, have you ever heard of Bradley Jennings? Name's familiar. He was a linebacker at Florida State. They won a national championship with the Seminoles. But. What year? Um, Sorry. Well, the year they won the. He was there from 97 to 01. Okay. All right. So. Just trying to place it with a friend. Listen to this offer list that Brandon Jennings had when he announced he's going to be transferring away from the Terrapins. This is who offered him Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Michigan. South Carolina. Arizona State. Kansas, Indiana, Syracuse, Northwestern, Mizzou, NC State, and Georgia Tech. Also on the radar, talking to him, Miami and Oregon. But he picks the Cats. Guys, this is the highest-rated linebacker in the transfer portal, and he is coming to K-State. Four of those teams are Big Ten opponents for Maryland that were considering him. That says something right there because they have some insight into how he played and what kind of a athlete he is so when it comes to playing time for maryland he played in seven games he had 23 tackles he had a forced fumble in game number one against west virginia now what i like about him pretty good tackler he's got good hands i i had to, i wanted to do a little bit uh, some digger deeping or digger uh deep deeper digging <laughs> i do that all the time some uh deeper digging <laughs> I, I always do that. It's funny. Uh, I didn't even thought about it too long. But anyway, I, I looked a little bit deeper into what he's all about. I, I try to find some bad film on him. I, I wish he's a little bit quicker uh, when it comes to sideline to sideline. Mm-hmm. A little bit better speed would be great. Um, but other than that, I mean, he was kind of thrown into the fire because he probably wasn't expecting to play in that first game as a true freshman. Gets right. West Virginia. This is a Big 12 team they're taking on. And injuries happen, mm-hmm. right? And Maryland had some injuries. So he's thrown in the fire, and he comes through with a good game. He was able to just jump in, be ready to go, and play well. Now, he played about four games. He got hurt in the Kent State game. After that fourth game, he played here and there, but it just wasn't the same as when he had played early in the year and even got some starts for Maryland. But he's also he's a, a very young guy with you know three years of eligibility remaining who does have a little bit a Power 5 experience. He was a four-star kid out of high school. I think this is a very, very good get for K-State. I know K-State hasn't had the most success lately when it comes to recruiting out of high school. A lot of a lot of folks been out of shape that K-State doesn't recruit better, certainly in the area, in the state of Kansas. But gosh dang it, K-State has done a really good job when it comes to recruiting out of the transfer portal. One of the things to bear in mind in that discussion about uh, 
recruiting in Kansas, as you and I know, just from the state of Kansas football at this point, and I mean the state of Kansas high school football, the bulk of that is Kansas City Metro. And there are so many options there available because guys get seen because of their location. Um, it's it's an interesting power shift that has occurred over the 20 years that I have been away uh, in Colorado, that the Metro has become the dominant area for high school football, and outstate is not nearly what it was when Bill Snyder took over this program, and it shows in terms of the recruiting. And Brandon Jennings, another thing I really like about him, it's become – more and more popular with pro football focus, kind of using that as a metric on how guys are sure. performing. Mm-hmm. They they do a lot of work in performing or to uh, to basically out in um, in their own way, like kind of put out in data to show how good a player is from game to game, and also rank it amongst others in their conference at their position. Brandon Jennings, according to Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Focus on more than one occasion was Maryland's best defender as a true freshman who had never played at that level before. By the way, you mentioned he's a four-star when he came out of high school. Adrian Martinez was a four-star coming out of high school. A three-star coming out of high school is our third of the and transfers. Josh Hayes, yeah. Josh Hayes. Um, that's, that's doing something good in yeah, the transfer portal right now. Yeah. All right, one final segment here on Wildcat Insider. Prediction on the Texas Bowl coming up. Also, uh, what the Big 12 has done in bowl games up to this point. You're listening to Wildcat Insider News Radio KMAN. A few more minutes left on Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Again, big thank you to Sage Bank, the KMAN studio, keeping us on air for the last three hours. But uh, let's wrap up by quickly mentioning... The Big 12 in bowl games. It's been a pretty good run for the Big 12. Liberty Bowl, Texas Tech blows out Mississippi State 34-7 for the Red Raiders to pick up their seventh win of the season. A winning record for the first time in quite a while, about eight years. Mm-hmm. And also the same day, Minnesota, uh, they beat West Virginia. Kai Thomas, the Topeka native, he enters the transfer portal today. But... Uh, he leads Minnesota to an 18-6 win over West Virginia. Mountaineers in their season with a record of 6-7. and seven. Moving on to what happened last Wednesday, Oklahoma. They beat Oregon, the 16th-ranked Sooners, over Oregon 47-32. And like Minnesota, an Oklahoma player after the bowl game enters the transfer portal. Their quarterback, Caleb Williams, potentially looking for a new home at the collegiate level. But the Sooners in their year with a record of 11-2. and two. Iowa State lost. You know, even though it's a Big 12 team, you kind of giggle <laughs> at uh, the old Cyclones falling once again uh, in Orlando, Florida. The cheese at Bowl, Clemson picks up that win 20-13. to 13. Best team ever, 7-6. and six. That's what it was supposed to be, right? I know. First time I know. ever Iowa State was going to... They were going to get double-digit wins, maybe compete for the college football playoff. As a matter of fact, both Clemson and Iowa State were both uh, projected in some places to get to the college football playoff. Uh, <laughs> no, sir, not even close. Uh, meanwhile, on Saturday, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma State comes from behind to beat Notre Dame 37-35. Baylor wins the Sugar Bowl over Ole Miss. Great defensive effort by the Bears, 21-7 the final. And uh, that leaves one more game. As a matter of fact, there's just two games left mm-hmm. at the college football level. You have the national championship coming on Monday, Alabama and Georgia. 
whatever. Right. And uh, LSU and K-State tomorrow at 8.15 from NRG Stadium. What's your prediction on this game? I'm going 38-10 K-State. Mine's similar, 31-6, taking the Cats to pull off the uh, the win. And, again, that's based on what we know about LSU. They basically got, basically got nobody to play this game. 39 scholarship players, barely fielding a team. And uh, there was a picture that the Texas Bull tweeted out of LSU practicing on the field. There's barely anybody out Looked there. a little thin. Yep. It feels like half staff out there. All right, that's going to do it from Wildcat Insider. From Houston for Troy and Sage, I'm Mitch. We'll talk to you on Thursday.